You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're getting you guys ready for the Seahawks Week 4 matchup. This one is a divisional opponent for the first time, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. They are 2-1 so far this year, and you've got a chance to improve uh, to 2-2 two and two for the Seahawks. That would make you even with San Francisco, by the way, who would also fall to 2-2. Two and two. Feels at least nice to make up some kind of ground in the NFC West. Uh, before we get to that, and we're going to have Gabe Jackson on, we're going to uh, take a look at some uh, big Seahawks stories and news and injuries heading into the week. We're going to go in the trenches with Ray Roberts, all kinds of stuff. We do have to just take a very quick look back at a very ugly week three loss against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I mean, Dave, I'll, I'll start with you and, and obviously Jake will get involved here too, but is there anything you guys saw that you think this team should be better or this team can fix? Um, I don't know if they can fix it or, uh, you know, it, to me, it's not anything physical. It's mm. not like they're getting whooped. It's that it's not that guys aren't fast enough. It's not that guys can't cover. It's that uh, guys aren't in the right position. So they're just uh, a lot of questions, you know. About um, first of all, I would say the cutback in the run. You saw that Minnesota went to that pretty early, and one of the things that's happening, just as a general theme, in my opinion, is that the defense is getting washed, washed down. And you saw Madison was looking to cut it back, and they even had like an old-fashioned bend play with the fullback yeah. leading the way, where he starts on the front side and bends it back. And on that play, where they only got seven yards because Bobby actually played it really well. Uh, the two backside defensive linemen just turned their shoulders. And I did a football one-on-one thing on that. So same thing with uh, the Derrick Henry run for 60 yards, you know, just a cutback deal where, you know, you can't really blame any one guy. you got to blame the whole defense just because, you know, there's a there's a, an area there where either Quandre Diggs or Trey Flowers has to make a tackle. But it's one thing to make it in like a hallway type, you know, size space. But when it's like a warehouse size space. And Derrick Henry. Yeah, it's just there's just no way that you can ask a guy to do that. So, and you're right, Stacey. I mean, you have to you know play like this is Derrick Henry or you know Alex Madison. You know maybe not as much of a threat, but boy, when you leave those backside gaps, they're going to be there. And then just middle of the field, you know, as far as you can see, there's some confusion on guys expecting help. Um, you know, both uh, I thought both linebackers jumped short stuff underneath. But you know, look, it's Bobby Wagner, it's uh, Jordan Brooks. I feel like they can get that right. You know, but look, that's where I would say to transition it forward, that's where Garoppolo wants to throw the ball. He's not great at throwing the ball outside the numbers. Correct. He wants to, you know, play action pass down the middle of the field, and that's that's where they got victimized the other day in Minnesota. And this is where I'm going to be very curious to see what they end up deciding to do, because if you remember last year in their first matchup against the 49ers, against Jimmy Garoppolo, what they wanted to do, they were extremely aggressive in that game plan. If you remember, Dave and Stacy, they blitzed Bobby Wagner. He had a huge game that that week. Um, they played a lot of man-to-man. They, they were really trying to make it difficult on Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll be curious to see if they try to do something similar. Honestly, I would prefer it based off of the issues that they've had in zone coverage. I don't know if those fixes can be done that quickly in a matter of a week, but um, I think that that's going to be your best chance against a 49ers team that feels they feels pretty good about where they're at at 2-1 and one right now. Well, here's what's interesting looking at this year's defense and last year's defense. There are a lot of similarities. Both units are giving up a ton of yards. Um, both units have struggled in the secondary Though last year, if you're looking at a reason to be hopeful, they turned it around after an accountability meeting. Carlos Dunlap getting healthy and being active was a huge part of that. Same with Jamal Adams. 
Last year, though, they also limited guys in the run game. They limited opponents to 99 yards per game by the end of the year. They were always pretty solid there. I mean, granted, teams could throw all over them, but they were still stout against the run. They also had 10 turnovers through the first five weeks. If you're going to talk about any kind of fix for this team, I don't know about wholesale changes, but getting turnovers can at least buy you some time. Well, takeaways, I mean, you look at 2019, they were bottom third of the league, and yet they were third in takeaways. It's the great equalizer. You know, that, that's the thing. You can let somebody, uh, you know, drive the field. I was watching the 49er Philadelphia game, which the Niner offense is kind of in the same, I, I would say, phase as the Seahawks offense that they're still trying to find their way. They didn't get a first down until the second quarter against Philadelphia, and it was a quarterback sneak. And then, but, you know, they drove down and one, they got a four and out, the, the 49er defense did, and then they blocked a field goal. So, yeah, those are the kinds of things that you can do on defense to kind of equalize it. If you're going to give up a lot of yards between the 20s, you know. And then the other thing was it was just a killer on third down. I mean, they could have gotten off the field that one time with a sack, and Ugo had a had a holding penalty. So, and which that's going to happen. It's just bad timing. And again, if you're giving up those kinds of yardage, you know, that kind of yardage in the middle of the field and well, all the way down the field, you have to have something. Here's what I've said: Where is this? defense going to hang their hat what are they going to hang it on uh is it you know good pass defense good tight coverage is it takeaways is it sacks last year you mentioned stacy at the end of the year the last 10 games they had 37 sacks so they ended up i think sixth or seventh in the league with like 46 yep. that's following a year where they had 28 so and those are huge plays um the year in 2019 went through and looked at every drive where they had a sack even though there's only 28 of them they never the opponent never scored a touchdown. So sacks are huge. It would have gotten them off the field the other day, but they had a penalty there. So yeah, they can uh, they can fix things and, you know, I don't know. I I started thinking a little bit about maybe uh, this offense could have benefited, maybe the defense could have benefited from the preseason. Um, you know, get just playing together, but every team approaches that differently. You saw Kansas City, they had Mahomes out there in the preseason. Kyler Murray was out in the preseason, so everybody's different, but I I feel like the offense is kind of finding their way. But uh, yeah, to me, defense. I'm looking for a big bounce back this this week from from our defense. Yeah, I am too, and and I'm also looking for. You mentioned the offense, the offense to put forth an entire 60 minutes. Right, that's been the one complaint that you have with this offense is, hey, you, it's great. You're starting out fast. You're getting yourselves in really good, advantageous situations. They look fantastic, and then when you get to the second half of these games, they have not found a whole lot of success. And I would say that it's not one common theme. There's not one common theme that you point to and say it's Russ's decision making or it's offensive line pass protection that's been bad or the run game that's been bad. I mean, you look at this Vikings game, this offense never really got a chance to get going. They had one uh, drive in the third quarter. Uh, they, you know, killed themselves with a with a sack on, you know, second and 10. Now it becomes third and 19. And you're basically punting that away, that drive away. And then you don't get the ball until the fourth quarter again. So you you don't really get the chance to get into a rhythm offensively. But either way, you still need to perform better in the second half with the opportunities that you do get. And that is something that's going to be key against this 49ers defense. A defense, by the way, that is, it has a lot of stars still. Nick Bosa is still on the field and all that. But uh, you're going to have Fred Warner. But they are dealing with injuries. They don't have Dre Greenlaw out there. They are, their cornerback situation is not 
very good right now yeah. with all the injuries that they've sustained. So there's opportunity for this offense to really take over this game. They're fully capable of it. Yeah, and we're through. I know we're through three weeks. It is early in the season, but the 49ers also haven't been completely dominating opponents either. They're kind of middle of the road when it comes to total offense and total defense. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see through the course of the season what the loss of Robert Sala does for them. Um, their negative three turnover differential, uh, which is tied for 28th in the league. They have six sacks to Seattle seven. I mean, this is a team that the Seahawks should match well against. I know that all of us heading into the season thought the 49ers had a great roster. They aren't necessarily underperforming, but they also aren't dominating in the way that the Rams have been able to go out there and, for instance, beat the Bucks last week. Yeah, again, uh, I think they are still kind of finding their way. And, you know, they've got uh, D'Amico Rines as their new defensive coordinator. And, you know, we'll see what he comes up with. The guy that scares me is the the nerdly-looking offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> no, I, I, he was the running game guy. Yeah, he was. I really like their running game. I, I just, you know, a couple of years ago and really last year, they would just plug in whoever. Remember Jeff Wilson Jr. in the New England game last year? I remember C. Rodge doing the update on it, and he's like, "Have a day, Jeff Wilson." Like, who's three Jeff Wilson Jr.? Yeah, yeah, he had three TDs, and you know, he ran for close to 100 yards. And I think this Mike McDaniel guy has, you know, he's got good weapons with uh, Kyle Uzcheck, and you know, it seems like whatever running back you plug in gets yardage. Hasn't really been that way though. And so, yeah, they're they're again, they're trying to they're trying to find their way, and yeah. they've got great weapons. I mean, I. Look, Garoppolo, I think, is a good player and can be a good player if they have that offense going, and they don't really have it going right now. So that will uh, that will be, you know, I feel like I don't want to say that it's a soft landing. I think it's a good opportunity for the Seahawks. I, I'm looking for Bobby to have a game like he did last year, and I think you mentioned it where 11 tackles, four quarterback hits, two sacks. Like, you know, when they have a performance like that, and I think they were coming off the Arizona loss last year, where you know there were some some things that were dropped and stuff that that they didn't do, they came back and you know he's the leader mm-hmm. and he's in his tenth year and you know when the, you have a defense that's you know making pretty simple mistakes and you know you're the leader of that, I, I think he's going to get it right and I'm looking for him to have a big bounce back game. All right, switching to offense here, offensive lineman Gabe Jackson going to join us next. This is the huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We'll be joined here in just a minute by offensive lineman Gabe Jackson. Seahawks practice just wrapping up, so guys are still coming off the field. So we'll give Gabe a little bit of time, but let's talk about you know what was nice to see last week. I know it was one half, but it was nice to see that run game get going. Yeah. The offensive line, obviously a big part of that. Good to see Chris Carson involved. That 30-yard touchdown was fun, but he had a couple big moments, you guys. He did, man. And I, I think, you know, Jake, I'll, I'll defer to you, but I, I feel like situa- situationally sometimes they, they got away from the run. I feel like they're just trying to find their way. But, you know, that was one of the good good news. I mean, you look at uh, in the stats, Carson is the number six rusher in the in the NFL. He's got 202 yards, so that's 67 yards a game, which is good because 59 will get you 1,000 with the 17-game schedule. It used to be 62-5, so, you know, that's good. Two of my favorite players are Will Disley and Chris Carson. <laughs> and Will Disley— I can see why those two would be two of your favorites. Yeah, and, and Disley, my only frustration there is, can we get him the ball? Can yes. we get him the ball? But um, four targets, three catches. I think he's got a 19-yard average. I just like it when he has the ball in his hand. Same thing with uh, with Chris. So hopefully that will start to work out. The other thing, unfortunately, with uh, with Everett, 
He has worked out great, man. I, I mean, I think he is a he's a dog. You saw him fighting for extra yardage when he had the one catch. Oh, you could yeah. see he was he was frustrated and he was trying to take it out on the Minnesota defense. And then, um, you know, he's he's also a blocker. He can block, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've uh, you know those guys. That's been my big thing. I, the number three receiver. I want it to be a tight end or a running back, just because those are nice, easy throws for Russ. Yes, they are nice, easy throws for Russ, and and it's also one of those situations where. You do point out Gerald Everett, his ability to run the football. Will Disley's sneaky ability to run it with is the sneaky. football. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it might not look pretty, but, man, he gets it done. And you talk about Chris Carson. He just is so punishing. Um, and, and, and I don't know if it caught your eye, but it did to me. It just seemed like this guy was running with a different burst against mm-hmm. Minnesota. Like, he was hitting the holes hard. Not that he doesn't before, but I just – there was something about it against Minnesota that really stood out to me. Um, but the other thing is that the offensive line did a s- so much better job against the Vikings. They got dominated. Just speaking quite frank, they got dominated against the, the Tennessee Titans. They got it taken to them at the line of scrimmage. They turned that around uh, against the Minnesota Vikings in a big way. And that is also the other frustration that I have when we talk about second-half performance from the offense it's not just third down sustaining drives, it's opportunities. It's the amount of opportunities that you get in the second half because they couldn't get back to that because I really do believe that they do get back to that, that run game. They establish that. They get that going because it was so effective for them in that game uh, in the first half. Um, so that's another element that they've got to bring to the table, and that's one thing that I was really, really happy with, You know, particularly Gabe Jackson, uh, Kyle Fuller, and Damian Lewis, they played a much better game here against the Vikings than they did in week two. Yeah, I'm interested to talk to Gabe when he joins us about like specific goals he has because I can almost guarantee the answer would be continue into the second half with that performance. And I, I go back and forth, you guys, between saying, well, the offense didn't have a lot of opportunities and feeling like it's maybe unfair to expect someone or a unit to be perfect every time, but then also thinking – you got to do it. Like you, you, you can't miss Freddie Swain. You can't miss this moment. And I, 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 I can't tell how much blame to put on. I can't tell what my expectations well, of course you put. Be. Of course you put blame on him. Yeah. Like, right? Like, you got to make that throw. It's third and six. You got to have it. Freddie Swain's open. Like, this is, this is a big drive. This is a big moment. Yeah. But to compound that and say that that was the reason why you lost the game, I think is inaccurate because mm-hmm. you, you only had – one opportunity in that moment, one drive. I, I, I go back and point to Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is the hero, the hero that everyone is talking about. You know how many three and outs that they had in the second half? They had three. They had three three and outs in the second half of that game, yet no one talks about that because they had more opportunities, more opportunities to finish the game. And, uh, and I think that that is a big deal when it comes to playing complementary football. We've seen so far that this team has not done a good job helping each other win games, whether it's week two in the offense not coming through when the defense gave them opportunities, or week three, the defense not being able to get themselves off the field. I felt like that first drive against Minnesota was a perfect example of what you'd want to see. I I mean, it was just Metcalf and Carson with maybe Collins in there once, so like, yeah, I'd like to see more guys involved overall, but the idea of... Um, 
getting down the field, starting out pretty aggressively with a 17-yarder for DK Metcalf, uh, and then you get Chris Carson involved. You cap it off with a touchdown. It feels like Metcalf was finding space. Carson was bulldozing through guys. I had to think Pete Carroll was watching from the sideline, thinking this is exactly what I want my offense to look like, and they did such a great job with it. Um, Again, Gabe Jackson, Seahawks offensive lineman, going to join us in just one second. This offensive line has looked pretty good to start the season. I know that no one's ever been perfect, and they'd probably like to continue into the second half, but sure felt good to get that run game and offense going early. Gabe Jackson joining us right now. Hey, Gabe, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Um, Obviously, we were talking about last week. I know it's a tough one. And Gabe, if I ask you what the plan is, I'm sure you're going to say win, right? The goal. But beyond just winning, what's maybe a goal for you personally or for the offense heading into this game against San Francisco? Uh, just keep getting better. Um, know the game plan and just execute. And uh, we'll be doing a great job uh, this week, getting it started early and uh, getting on track. Gabe, offensive linemen love running the ball. Am I right? Is that what really feeds you guys? Oh yeah, we definitely do. Yeah, tell us about uh, a couple of times. I know you know you had a block against uh, the Colts that uh, Chris Carson kind of let you set. You know, he kind of set it up a little bit, and just the timing and everything. It was just beautiful. Carson's got to be great to block for. Oh yeah, man, he, he does a great job uh, reading everything and uh, trusting it. We, I mean, we trust each other. Uh, but it, it started in practice, started in camp. You know, uh, just getting the reads and uh, following through with it. Gabe, you guys are also going through a new transition. There's a lot of guys that are have been there, and, and you being one of the new guy, the, uh, but Damian Lewis also going over to the left guard spot, uh, having played right guard last year. Um, it, you know, Obviously, there's going to be moments where you guys have ups and downs. You know, Week two, uh, I know it wasn't the game you guys wanted, but you bounced back in a big way in week three. You know, how, how do you go through that transition um, uh, of going week to week and just taking things in stride and, as you said, you know, trying to get better? Uh, you just have to have a short-term memory. Uh, and within that same breath, you got to learn from your mistakes and keep pushing through. Uh, every week and every day, the goal is to get better. And um, sometimes the results don't show all the time, but you got to trust the the coaching, to trust your technique, and trust your work ethic. And every day it's a grind. Long, long as we keep getting better, the, the results going to show. Gabe, there's been a lot of conversation about what the offense has not been able to do in the second half of games. You know, is there anything that you guys have felt has happened in the second half, or has it just been, hey, this is the way that you know the games have finished? We trust in who we are and what we can ultimately do. No, I mean we 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 all just gotta you know we gotta execute. When we out there every chance we get to uh, do our job. We gotta do it at a high level. You know, uh, nothing is promised, but every time you get out there, we just gotta make sure we're doing what we can to you know um, take full advantage of the opportunity. Hey, Gabe, I I know that the season's already started, but I haven't had a, a chance to to interview. I'm curious, how are you adjusting to Seattle as a whole? I love it here. It's uh, it's been nothing but love from the coaches, the teammates, uh, fans, everybody. Just it's, it's home. It's real home to me, and I, and I love being here. Hey, Gabe, uh, tell us when you look at San Francisco, boy, they got some uh, good players across the board there: Armstead, Kinlaw. When you look at uh, look at film on the Forty ers what are you seeing? Who's who's the biggest challenge? Who who is one of the the guys that really stands out on that D line? Uh, 
really all of them. Uh, they play hard, they play fast, and uh, they have a good group. You know, across the board, most of them uh, first-rounders. So uh, just got to go out there and, and compete and do our job to win. All right, he is Seahawks starting offensive lineman Gabe Jackson joining us on the huddle. Thanks so much, Gabe. All right, thank you all for having me. All right. Uh, Coming up next, Russell Wilson going to be speaking with reporters live from Seahawks headquarters. We'll take you there. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross taking you now to Seahawks headquarters where Russell Wilson is at the podium. What what have you seen out of this offense in the second half that that get better? I mean, Pete mentioned just converting on third down, but how do you kind of maintain the momentum from – how good you've been in the first half and the second half. I, I just think we have to execute. You know, it's not it's not anything that to go fishing for. I think that we obviously have the ability to do that. We've done that throughout the game, earlier in the game and everything else. And um, I think we just have to execute. You know, and I think the opportunities too, you know, the more opportunities the better. But I think just catching that rhythm and, and uh, you know, staying out of third and long situations. We You know, the times we haven't, sometimes it's been you know, a little bit longer distances. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about the third – the, the, in the third quarter of last game, you know, we had third and, I don't know, 17 or something like that. You know, so those those are always tricky to get. But uh, just stay in the course. I, we know what we're going to do and how we can do it and how uh, what our mindset is and what we're capable of. Jackie? Hey, Russ. Um, looking at the 49ers, their secondary is a little banged up. But what do you see from their defensive front? Well, the defensive front is one of the best in the league. They, they fire around. They're all over the place. You know, obviously um, – they got a lot of uh, tremendous players, you know, obviously both uh, Armstead, uh, Jones, all the guys that got come in and out of the game, you know. Um, so they're really, really t- talented. Um, you know, they got guys come off the bench and forward and other guys too. So, um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing is is their defensive line and what they do. Obviously, Warner is one of the best guys in the league, uh, just uh, just in defense in general. Um, that really great safeties. Uh, they're a little banged up, you know, on the outside, but you know they they have a really good scheme. They do a really good job of what they what they're trying to get after and how they do it. And uh, they coach extremely well. So we're gonna have to be, bring our A game. Thank you, Corbin. Hey Russ, it seemed like last week that you were able to connect on some throws in the middle that were in tighter windows that maybe you turned down the previous game or two. What goes into your thought process as a quarterback with those type of throws? Um, you know, just you, you got to know, you know, uh, number one, the situation and all that. You know, when you're trying to rip it in there, when not, and sometimes you you don't, you don't need to. You know, you know, firing in there unnecessarily if you have maybe somebody else open. You know, out of my peripheral, sometimes I see maybe somebody else open and I can check it down to or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I'm always uh, you know trying to trying to find our guys. You know, so many great playmakers. You know, and and uh, that's the great thing that we have. Michael Sean. Hey Russ, I know winning is all you want to do. That's your priority and everything. Um, but when it doesn't happen, how how do you process not winning? Like mentally, when that doesn't happen for you. Well, I think that every 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 opportunity, obviously, there's a win statistically, but I think everything every opportunity is a lesson to to learn something. You know, I think that there's always you're always gaining knowledge and you're always understanding more. And um, you know, and not everything's a failure. You know, I think, I think everything is uh, is an opportunity to grow. Um, you know, individually, collectively as a team. You know, and just you know, continue to learn the game. You know, I, I love adversity. You know, I love adversity. Um, and I know our football team does too. And we can handle it, and uh, you know we're, we're looking forward to to to, to answering the call and, and and trying to play our best football. Thanks, Jen. What do you make of when points are scored during the game? Like first half, second half, third quarter? I know that at the end you just want more than the other team, but 
is there something about momentum, rhythm, any of that about when points are scored? Uh, what was your first part of your question, Jen? I lost you for a second. You said I heard the whole question except for the very first part. What, what make do you what? make of when points are scored in the game? I don't overthink it. You know, you can't overthink it. I think that you know every possession you want to be able to score, and that's just you know uh, you want to be able to score touchdowns. Uh, I think we've been doing a really good job of that, especially in the red zone and stuff like that. Um, I think our biggest thing has been just uh, miscues, penalties here and there, you know, little things like that. You know, I think about the drive that we had in the first half. We were rolling. We had the screen. And, you know, we had a little penalty that backed us up. You know, in the Tennessee game, we had a couple penalties there, you know, uh, late in the game. You know, and, and so we just got to stay on schedule. Um, and, and then, you know, and when we have an opportunity to make our plays, you got to make them, you know. And so I think – but I do believe that, uh, you know, I do like – you know, obviously – I do like how we've been scoring early and often, and I think that now is just just a little bit more tuned into you know how do we switch it into uh, the the opportunities that we do get. How do we how do we make those so uh, so spot on you know that it's that we're unstoppable you know, and I think that's what we're searching for. I think that we have an opportunity to be that way, um, and, and we and we can, and so we just got to stay hungry, uh, stay focused, have a great week of practice, um, you know, and, and be zoned in throughout the whole practice, and obviously transfer that into the game. Bob? Um, yeah, Russell, you mentioned that you love adversity and all that. You guys have sort of had a few slow starts through the years and, and, and come back from them, like 2018 in particular. What, what's sort of the real key to doing that, that you know, kind, of, kind of keeping everybody, I guess, in the fold when that happened? You know, I think you got to stay the course. Um, you know, so many times people panic and they get, you know, uh, worried and frustrated and this and that. And I think, you know, I think the best thing to do is stay the course and be and, and be honest and be figure out how we can get better this and that and then keep going for it. You know this this league is challenging. Every every game is challenging. We play arguably the best division of football. Every week is every week is tough, and uh, and we look forward to the challenges of it all. I think the language is everything too. You know how we pick each other up, how we communicate with one another, how we continue to stay focused on the task at hand. Um, you know we we've, we've been playing some really really good football, um, and then and then there's some things that we can get better at. That's that's the truth, you know. It's not not, not, not anything more complicated than that. Um, but now it's it, it's uh, it's 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 taking those things that we can get better at, and really week to week, just continue to just improve on those things, and uh, and letting the letting all the good stuff that's happening. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a really a whole bunch of good stuff that uh, that I think when 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 teams lose or people lose or whatever it may be, um, you know, you, you don't want to get distracted on on that stuff in the sense of all the good things that you're doing. You know, you want to be able to stay focused on that and keep doing that really well. But at the same time, also be able to balance your mind and your emotions to be able to stay the course and stay focused on on the task at hand of how we can improve. And so I think that 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 beautiful balance is what's really key. Brady. Hello, sir. Um, we heard a lot about the, the increased emphasis on you know, more underneath throws uh, this season. How do you feel like that part of your offense has functioned so far? I think we've been super efficient with the ball. I think that we've made a lot of, uh, lot, a lot of good things. Obviously, we hit some deep ones, too, here and there. So I think, I think, we're, I think we're doing a really good job of it. I think that uh, I think in the process of it all, we're just playing the game. You know? I think you know, I don't try to overthink it. You, know, you just try to take what you see and, and uh, continue to try to deliver the ball to our guys. We've got so many playmakers. You know? So um, I think we're doing a good job of it. Great Seahawks looking to bounce back from back-to-back losses against the Titans and Vikings. This time it'll be against the 49ers. Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle going to join us next to help us with a preview. 
You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're going to be joined in just a moment by Seahawks reporter John Boyle. Uh, obviously, we're going to ask about some injury updates. I'm most curious about D. Eskridge. Pete Carroll yesterday said that he was expected, D. Eskridge, to clear concussion protocol and participate in practice today. I haven't seen those practice reports yet, so curious to know whether or not he'll be back. Um Obviously, I think that everyone's going to be tracking uh, the offensive line to see if Brandon Shell returns. But I've got to say, I, f- I feel like they've been able to do a pretty good job in Shell's absence. Yeah, it looked like uh, we talked to Jake Curran the other day and, you know, it looked like Jamarco Jones had something <clears throat> on the sidelines where yeah. he might have had to go into the locker room or something like that. But uh, Jake Curran was kind of I-, I think Jamarco Jones is a really good football player and, you know, he's. He's a couple of years ago when he he filled in, he can play guard, he can play tackle. I I really like Jamarco. Um, Joining us right now is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. John, I appreciate you taking a break from crushing the dreams of your four-year-old to talk some Seahawks with us. Hey, it's not crushing her dreams. It's just, you know, being honest. Will you explain what happened? (laughs) What are we talking about here? If you don't follow, if you're not on Twitter like Mr. Wyman, um, I had a my com- my daughter, my four year old, was pulling on a stuffed animal thread and tugging on. I told her not to because it's gonna wreck her stuffed animal. And she says that's how to fix it because she saw Doc McStuffins do it. Sidebar for those who don't have children: that's a cartoon about a doctor who fixes toys and they come to life, and it's quite charming. Anyway, so I told her. Did you go to four years of toy medical school? And she kind of got sad and said no. And then she stopped pulling on the string. So, yeah, it's a it's a life lesson for her. You, you've got to earn those titles. All right, John. Well, uh, hey, what's been the mood of the team? I mean, I know that was probably a really rough ride home. That one was uh, was tough for the defense. I felt like the offense is still sort of coming along. What's been the feel over there at the VMAC this week? Yeah, I mean, I think the the best way to describe it is what Pete Carroll said of it's it's serious. I mean, they know that they've not played up to their potential so far the last really six quarters, and it's cost them two games. So they know they got a lot to fix, and you got to fix it in a hurry because the schedule doesn't get any easier, and the division's so good you can't really afford to fall much farther behind. John, has there been anything that stood out to you in terms of what Pete, Ken Norton Jr., maybe even Bobby uh, yesterday, just talking about the defense in terms of the way that they're going to approach trying to fix those issues? Um, You know, I think the biggest thing is just them all making sure they're on the same page. I mean, we've been kind of hearing different guys have, you know, some of them it's kind of schematic stuff, and then you know, the players are going to put it on themselves. Bobby Wagner saying, you know, it's on us. we got to get it better. So I think there's just – it's one of those where a lot of little things sort of all caught up to them at once. And, you know, if you have, a, you know, a coverage bust here and a player just making a mistake there and they kind of compile and mm-hmm. all of a sudden one game looks really ugly, they're, they know they're better than that. There's just too much talent for them not to be better. And, you know, I think they're confident that they were able to fix things last year and – they can do it again. I guess the difference last year is, you know, they, they had a pretty good winning record while they were giving up all those numbers. And this year they've lost two games, so they know they got to fix it in a hurry. Ken Norton Jr. and Pete Carroll spoke this week. Uh, I'm assuming you were at both of those press conferences, certainly there to ask questions. Um, I'm wondering what their responses were specifically when it comes to communication. Did they seem not that concerned? Did they seem like it's something they wanted to double down on? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they're they saying that it's not, you know, they're, they're downplaying whatever issues there are, and that's understandable because, I, I mean, even if that is the main issue right now, it doesn't do them a lot of good to complain about it publicly and make it look so bad. So I think they're going to try to downplay whatever issues there are. And, again, I think, you know, some of it goes back to players just doing right, and some of it probably is coaching needs to hammer home some points because – even if you know players aren't communicating right, and it's you know a player mistake on the field, coaches are going to tell you, well, we're the ones who need to make sure they're doing right and getting it right in practice, so those mistakes don't happen. So it's on everybody. Like I said, they they believe it's fixable, and they've kind of fixed similar issues before. But you know, like we saw, it just it wasn't very good on Sunday, and they they need to be better. Hey, John, uh, you know, we see now in the AL West, the the Oakland A's and the, the Mariners, I think, are going to become natural rivals now because usually it's when, you know, one team beats the team, uh, another team, uh, soundly, like the Mariners have, 12 in a row with the A's. And I think we can get this thing going back with the, the 49ers. That was such a great rivalry when Harbaugh was there. That You know, it, is that kind of the, the feel that you get from fans and people that write into your, your – uh, you know, your email questions and stuff like that, uh, uh, that the 49ers are still the natural rival in this division? I think so, just because at that time you talked about both teams were so good at the same time that it it just made a, a lot of fun. I mean, the one thing that's kind of unique about the NFC West is all these teams have traded being good over the years. So, you know, there's not one clear rival. If, let's say the Rams are winning the division and having all these good seasons or the Cardinals seem to really be on the, the up right now that they're playing really well. So it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint one division. But, yeah, in terms of, like, fan animosity, I felt like it was strongest in those Harbaugh days just because both those teams were so good at the same time. So I, I think if you, you know, surveyed the, the Seahawks fans, that one might have the most intensity of it. I think we need Kyle Shanahan to be a bigger jerk like Harbaugh was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Part of it. You just don't have that fun dynamic. He, he's just kind of more of a mellow, seems like a nice guy, and you don't that. have yeah. kind of the tension. <laughs> I hate him for being so nice. God, stop so, it, yeah. Kyle. Yeah. Be more of a jerk. That's right. Uh, John, John, there has been a lot of injuries that have been going on on the 49ers side of things. And uh, what, what stood out to you the most there? Because I don't know if a lot of people know, realize that, that maybe they're still thinking that this 49ers team is the same one that we all witnessed in 2019. That's been a lot of the conversation heading into the season, at least. Where are they currently at? Yeah, I mean, the one that stands out when you talk injuries is it, you look at their secondary cornerback in particular. You know, they're, they're having to bring guys in. They sign Josh Norman. He's starting a week later, and then he gets hurt. And the side note on how crazy football players are, he's got bruised lungs, and they're talking about him like he's got a good chance to play this week. But, yeah, it's you know, they're beat up on the back end. I think, you know, for both these teams, a big challenge is going to be the, the cornerbacks trying to stop some really good receivers on both sides and, you know, they are, you know, the injuries aren't quite as crazy as last year for them, where it's just everybody every week getting hurt. But they are, they are dealing with some serious, you know, some of their good players dealing with some some injuries. Hey, John, I've been so curious this year to see what D. Eskridge uh, will look like uh, with Shane Waldron's offense. I think given that the Seahawks had just three picks and he was their first, you've also been hoping that he'd pay off and make an impact. And we just haven't been able to see him. Uh, he was injured in training camp for a while. Obviously, missed last week with a concussion. Uh, what's your impression, maybe whether or not we see him this weekend? 
You know, Pete Carroll sounded pretty optimistic about it. He was not yet cleared yesterday to practice, but the thought was that he would get through whatever he needed to in the protocol to be on the field today. So that would be pretty telling if, you know, when we see the practice report this afternoon, if, if he's able to practice today, then it's all signs are pointing to him playing. And you're right. I think everybody's really excited for good reason that the little glimpses we've seen, he's looked really excited, even just the couple touches he had in Indianapolis before he unfortunately had that concussion. So yeah, getting him back I think just adds a dynamic you know, you, you're not going to look for him to be all of a sudden your top receiver in terms of targets and touches and all that but just the explosive nature of him just gives you an extra dynamic on, on offense that teams have to account for. Hey John I don't know how much you can talk about this but you know Gerald Everett and, and really we were talking about last year there was not a, a single positive COVID test last year that, that Pete had and um, you know can you tell us a little bit about how that's going to be handled and, and what's going on with, uh, with Gerald Everett uh, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot I know other than what, you know, we just know about the protocol in general. I, I don't specifically know his vaccination status other than, you know, if you do the math, Pete Carroll said there's only two guys, so the odds are pretty strong that he is. And if that is the case, then he could still play if he returns a, it's negative tests, more two negative tests more than 24 hours apart. So, you know, they'll keep testing him, and if, if he starts testing negative, he's got a chance to play. But, you know, more than anything, I think, you know, Russell Wilson actually was just asked about it and talked about this. It's, it's kind of a reminder this team has handled it so well, and as you referenced, they haven't had a single positive test on their team going back to last year. So it's kind of just a reminder of this is still out there and everybody's got to be careful, and, you know, it can affect teams at any time. So, you know, it sounds like hopefully he's the only one and it won't affect him any other ways. But, yeah, it's – it's just a tough situation every team is dealing with, and fortunately so far the Seahawks haven't had to deal with it much. But this, if he can't play, obviously that's a blow. He's, he's been a really good part of the offense so far. John, everybody's pointing to the offense in terms of their second-half production or lack thereof. Um, yeah. What is the conversation that has been had amongst Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson in regards to what they're saying in, in terms of those issues? I always love it when you ask me Russell Wilson things as if you don't know way more about this than me. It's, it's fun. <laughs> well, I didn't get a chance. We, we listened to his press conference here, but I just wanted to know what stood out to you, John. I'll just have Jake tell no. me, and then I'll ask you next time, okay? <laughs> I'm going to text Jake before the show. And then, no. Um, no, I think it's, you know, again, kind of like the defense, they, they feel like it's very fixable, and it's, you know, a lot of it last week came down to third downs and just some long third downs and difficult situations, and it's you just – it's you know the the problems on both sides of the ball are just sort of compounding each other. Where if the offense has one bad series and goes three and out or gets five plays and has to punt, and then the defense gives up a seven or eight minute drive, now all of a sudden the third quarter is pretty much over and the offense has barely been on the field. Whereas if the defense gets some stops, then maybe you have a couple bad series and you still get the ball three more times and you score some points and nobody's talking about it. So I think it's just, you know, both sides need to help each other out. The, the offense needs to sustain a drive here and there in the third quarter to give the defense a break and the defense needs to get off the field to give Russell Wilson and company more cracks at it. I, I don't think teams are figuring them out at halftime and we're just going to see this issue continue over and over again, but it is it has just been kind of an odd quirk so far that they've been so darn good in the first half and what is 13 points after halftime in three games so they got to get that going and you know be able to kind of put teams away in the second half if they build those leads he is seahawks.com reporter john boyle joins us every thursday on the huddle if you're not already following him for the latest from the seahawks it's at john p boyle on twitter uh thanks john
Thank you. And if you don't want football information, you can follow me for shaming my children. That's exactly right. (laughs) right. I personally love those stories. (laughs) That's a good one. Bye, John. Thanks, John. All right. Uh, Thanks, guys. We are headed to the trenches next with Ray Roberts to talk about this Seahawks offense, the Seahawks offensive line. I always love this segment. It's coming your way next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. It's time to head into the trenches. One of our favorite segments, we do this every Thursday, with Ray Roberts. Ray, you always bring the heat. You always bring the fire. I need to know some of your observations from this past week because it was an ugly one that we're all still trying to kind of digest and figure out. Well, you, you know, the the thing, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me having me on, and, and I'm, I'm always excited to bring the fire. Um <laughs> But uh, uh, I went back and watched, like, the last two games and trying to figure out why the Seahawks struggle in the second half. And what I found is that in the trenches specifically, uh, you know, Pete Carroll talked about executing at a higher level. And when I think about executing, I think about guys missing assignments, not blocking the right people, not being in the right place. But what I saw on the film was not that. It was more or less the technique at which they were going about their work. And so when I look at the offensive line, uh, you can say what you want about, you know, having preseason reps or not. But there's only one offensive lineman in my life I've ever seen that didn't need, like, reps to get themselves primed for the season, and that was Walter Jones. Uh, And there's not a whole lot of him uh, walking around. Uh, But these dudes, uh, you know, some of their footwork, some of the mesh points in the play-action game, uh, some of the mesh points in the running game uh, is not good. The center is playing too high with his hands too wide and giving up his chest. The guards aren't playing physical enough and getting getting movement in the run game. Like Even in the, the Tennessee game, they were making yards without really moving anybody. And, uh, and so that's just a testament to how hard Chris, Chris Carson runs. But uh, they're not getting a whole lot of movement in the middle of the line with the center and the two guards. And then, you know, even Dwayne Brown, all-pro player, when his technique is on, he's a great dude. But when his technique is off, he looks like an old left tackle. And so a lot of those things are taken care of in the preseason when you can kind of get yourself primed. It's like priming your – your lawnmower before you crank that thing up. You know, you're trying to get all the, the, the juices and things flowing in the right way so that when it starts up, it's running really well. And when I look at the offensive line, to me, that's where it starts and stops. If they can clean up some of their techniques so that they can so they can execute the, the and block the people in a, in a proper manner, then I think it will solve a lot of the offensive woes that we see in the second half because it seems like in the first half, the defensive linemen are getting really, really close and then in the second half, they're going like, man, like if I just do this one little thing, I'll get there. And then those things are happening in the second half because the technique mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the execution of the technique at offensive line isn't that great. This is why we get along and why we coach together because I had <laughs> similar thoughts, Ray. My, you know, and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to hammer it too hard, but I thought. I wonder if the thinking for next year will change about the preseason because you know that there's there's a certain amount that you get used to you know you saw a few guys cramping up a little bit you know just going hard getting and then you know just the execution and like what you were describing there is like the team that wins is the one that does right the longest and yeah I I, I kind of thought the same thing and same thing for for the defense and we saw teams around the league like Patrick Mahomes Kyler Murray those guys were playing in the preseason a lot and you know not I don't want to question the way that they did it but I wonder if the the Seahawks might rethink that next year based on what you said yeah I mean 
I would say, like, I would question it like crazy because, like, unless you're going to say, you know, I'm going to take the first three or four games of the season uh, to kind of work out those kinks, but then you might find yourself, you're working your, yourself out of contention, you know, for the playoffs as you're trying to do that, you know. And, and with the offensive line especially, it's, it's one of those positions that, uh, that people just don't know well enough. You know, so you look at the timing of the quarterback and the receiver, and you in a game you're trying to figure out like how they're playing certain coverages, where you can sit down mm-hmm. in a zone, or 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 or, the, or how you can beat a guy in one on one. Those same types of things are happening along the offensive line. You're trying to figure out how the linebackers are flowing on different plays, how the, how the person across from you, you know, what pass rush move is he going to go to today, or how is you know is he playing really strong and firm in the in the run game? Because then that gives you information about how you're going about your work so that's one thing and then the second thing is that you know if you look at this offensive line they never played as a whole unit in any games leading up to the to the first game and even in the training camp because Dwayne Brown didn't come in until the until the first week of the season or something like that so you don't even have those reps so they're they're going to the right people but how they're getting to the right people is a little jacked up so like I said the (laughs) timing is off a little bit the pad level is off a little bit the footwork is off a little bit. One time it's the right guard. The next time it's the left guard. One time it's the center. One time it's the right tackle. One time it's the left tackle. And everybody's taking their turns, kind of like not getting it done. So like even on some of the deep balls that Russell threw on some of those play-action passes, he was still kind of getting a hit right after he threw the ball because some of the technique was not good. And even picking up the, um, picking up the line stunt hasn't been very good. Like the teams have been running – stunts and the recognition of the stunts but with the offensive line has not been very good like they just haven't been able to pass things off they've been too aggressive on one side not aggressive on another side and so he puts you on different levels and so then the defensive line is able to get penetration uh, you know that way uh and so like all those types of things start to add up as you go on and then he's eventually you know they, they bite you in the butt and then all of a sudden you can't move the ball and you trying to figure out why the, why the plays are, you know, grinding to a halt or the, the drive is grinding to a halt. And all of that stuff, to me, uh, when I look at the last two games, can a lot of it can be rectified for the offense by the, the offensive line just being in, in better sync and using better technique. Ray, what are some of the things that you do see from the first half of that Minnesota game that they did well, that they made adjustments to uh, versus what the performance that they had a week prior against the Titans? Well, in the the – in the first half of both of those games, they were the the offensive line, especially in the running game. There was just they were getting stalemates, so they weren't really moving anybody, but they weren't getting pushed back, and the defensive line wasn't getting penetration. And uh, and so when when the defensive line comes and is playing on your side of the offensive line, that's the first thing that ruins the running game. And so they were able to at least stalemate, and Chris Carson was able to find plays ways to get away uh, in pass protection. They were pass protecting just good enough. Like Russell was still under duress sometimes and under pressure. And then, like I said, even on those deep balls. And so, uh, but in the second half of each seat of each game has been the same thing, though, is now that stalemate becomes to the defensive line playing on our side of the ball. And then those times when, when they were getting close to Russell, they're just a little bit closer to interrupt the play or he has to pull the ball down and, and run it and, and those types of things. So I think the, the improvement from one week to the next it's all happened in the first half and then it kind of gets away from him in the second half when yeah. because the this I'll just keep beating the same drum Jake the the technique is not not very good it just it just isn't mm. like the pass sets aren't good 
the the run blockings mixes aren't good. Uh, the getting overextended on plays, stopping your feet, and just trying to wrestle with a guy at the line of scrimmage, trying to see who's the strongest upper body. And you block people with your lower body, you finish them with the upper body. And so if you if you flip that, then you end up not going anywhere. And uh, and so to me, that's those are the types of things that are happening uh, to the offense. Good stuff. As always, he is an analyst on the Seahawks pre and post game show. It's Ray Roberts. Ray, we're excited to talk to you. Uh, well, next week might be a different one with the Thursday game, but we're still excited to talk to you next week for the huddle. Yeah, and I just want to make one little public service announcement, or, or maybe two. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was told by Steve Pyatt, who is a uh, WIAA uh, high school football referee, that the referee totals are down by like 20 or 30%, which then jeopardizes other sports and things as the season goes on. So if you're a referee and you've you know, decided not to do it this year or what have you, uh, encourage you to get back out there. If you're interested in refereeing, find a way to get out there so that we don't have games and things canceled uh, for, our, for our high school uh, athletes because there's not enough uh, officials to, to cover the games. And then the second thing is that I've never been so excited about Mariner baseball uh, in my life. I saw and, you uh, tweeting about it, about Ray. The, yeah, I'm not going to do anything to mess up my mojo, so I'm not going <laughs> to attend the games. I'm going to keep doing my little tune-in, but attend the games. Like, it's, it's like get those stadium, get the stadium full, get behind this team. These dudes are playing really hard, playing to the wire, giving it everything they got, so go out and support them. Two very awesome and worthwhile PSAs. All right, he is Ray Roberts. Thanks so much, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, no problem. See you. Yep. All right, Seahawks play-by-play man Steve Rabel joins us next. This is The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're joined now by the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Ray, Somebody who doesn't go to Home Depot, oh, we I guarantee you. Oh, we were just talking about you. Home Depot. I love Home Depot. <laughs> oh, man, are you kidding? I've spent days in Home no, Depot. No, really, really, Rabes? What's oh, your last project? Oh, let's see. Um, <laughs> gosh. Well, there have been a bunch of them. There's been uh, so many. Yeah. Uh, I did the inside of my toilet during uh, the oh. vacation that I did, and it still doesn't flush right. I'm wow. terrible. Do me a favor. Wash your hands before you shake hands with me the next time, will you? <laughs> I was on the upper tank, oh, Rabel. Oh, I see. Not okay. I All right. Well, speaking of the next game, yeah. you are here to help us look ahead for I the Seahawks. So. Um, obviously, they need to bounce back. This has been uh, a, a start that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. It feels like uh, defense and offense are kind of underperforming where people thought they'd be big struggles on on both sides of the ball, particularly with defense, but you want to see better execution on third down. It just feels like everything that could go wrong in the second halves of these games has, with the exception of turnovers. Um, Is this something that you see as potentially a recurring pattern? Is it an off thing? Well, it's happened a couple of weeks in a row now, so I guess that's recurring. Um, And uh, I think the plus about it, though, uh, Stacey, is it's fixable. At least we better hope it's fixable. Um, you know, you can't change the whole team, and you can't change the 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 design of your defense and offense. You've been working on it all off season. Everybody's bought into it. It's a matter of fixing the individual things that you can do as players. And if that means you know getting into coverage, taking a specific drop, playing tighter, you know, stickier defense. If it means running a certain pass route against a specific defense, so that your quarterback has a place to throw the ball, all those things, uh, and and it has to be taken kind of in total. I don't think you can just do, just say, okay, we're going to just fix this, and then everything else is going to be okay. Everybody has to come into this week, and I'm sure they have in this practice. Uh, 
uh, and these practices leading up to Sunday in San Francisco. With that, with that thought in mind, I have to do a better job at my job mm-hmm. every single play. Not taking a play off here, taking a play off there. Well, Ribs, you've been fantastic during the broadcast, so I don't think you need to do anything well, much better. But Dave, you know, you're right. Yeah, so we're not really talking about you, but okay. what as we're sitting there doing the games, and I yeah. guess I, I'm biased. I'm I'm a defensive guy. You're an offensive guy. Yeah. What has felt worse to you? Like, and I don't mean to dwell on the negative, but just as far as it just seems is more frustrating. Is it watching the offense just not be able to get into a groove, or is it the defense and and some of the things that have happened there? Yeah, and I think we've talked about it some that because I'm a former offensive player, I tend to think that, you know, the offense can really help this whole thing out, this whole problem, this issue that the Hawks have had by staying on the field. And in the first half, they've been able to do that. This is where they, you know, what they've put up, I think, more points than just about anybody in the mm-hmm. first half of games, or at least in the first quarter. And they're, you know, it's amazing to me how well they can play in that first half. And then in the second half, it's like a completely different game. Mm-hmm. And, and Pete makes a point when he says, well, you know, we just haven't had the opportunities in the second half because we can't get off the field uh, defensively. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. But you still had opportunities. You, you could go out there in the second half and adjust and not go three and out the two times you had the ball. You can hang on to that ball, have a nice long drive, give your defense a chance to rest. Uh, and then come back in maybe with a, a little fresher, uh, fresher idea of how to play uh, against uh, the. In, in this case, it was the Vikings last week. But I, I, I tend to look at it from that standpoint, uh, the offensive side. But you know, I also can't ignore the fact that the defense has just had some glaring mistakes, and they're they're pretty apparent to all of us watching. You know, nobody should be that open on an 18-yard cross route, crossing route when you need. 15 for a first down I mean it just should not happen uh, and yet it has and in, in on a somewhat regular basis so those things have to be fixed as well defensively now you talk about Raves you know the struggles that are going on on both sides the thing that has been confounding to me is is that there's not necessarily and every game's different but there's not necessarily one issue that you could point to to re- to directly say that it, gosh if the offense or the defense could do this it'll all come together um Offense didn't play very complimentary to the defense in week two. Uh, you could say that didn't happen with the defense not playing complimentary, not giving the offense opportunities in week three. But what is the one thing, if you could if you could, uh, you know, cross your fingers and, and wish for one thing, what would that be against the 49ers here in week four? Uh, well, and, I, and now I'm beginning to sound like a coach who just kind of makes, you know, big statements and, and, and doesn't really get into great detail. But I, I just think execution. I mean, the one thing that I look at is is if you execute properly, and and that goes back again to basically you know do your job, but if you execute properly on the defense on the defense as it's designed, then you don't give up those big plays on third down. Then you then you are in your gap. You have gap integrity so that you don't allow that kind of cutback run that has continued to it seems be the kind of things that the the kind of thing that the Seahawks fight against and have fought against the last couple of weeks if you're executing properly you're protecting up front you're reading the blitz which side it's coming from you're sliding that way you're picking it up you're adjusting your route offensively to understand what the defense is is giving you and what they're taking away 
it's it to me it's again it's all about execution i i don't know that it's so much about design or anything like that but so the one word i would use jake is is just go out and and execute properly what it is that you're supposed to do and and unless they're just overwhelmingly better athletes than you guys which i don't believe is the case then you should be in this football game and you have a great chance to win. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. You kind of spoiled my question. I was going to say, I don't want to put you on the spot. But that's what are Rabel you ex- does. He spoils things. Are you expecting a, a Seahawks win in this one, knock on wood? I'm, I'm expecting that. Now, I expect them to go out and win every week, and, and whether that's an expectation or just a, a, a distant yeah. wish because I'm an old person and I look out at a, a far star somewhere and say, I wish uh, that the Seahawks win. But I believe that they can. I believe that they're a better football team than the 49ers, quite frankly. And I know people are going to say, well, look at the record. One is, you know, the Seahawks are 1-2, and two and they lost badly here last week. The 49ers lost on the last play of the game to a really good Packers game uh, team, and they're 2-1 and one on the year. But, you know, you start breaking this thing down, and I, I love our running attack. I know the 49ers have a great run defense, but if you loosen them up some with the pass and you have Chris uh, uh, Chris Carson uh, rolling uh, on Sunday, I, I like our chances offensively against that defense. Uh, the big thing is, what are we going to do defensively? How do you control guys like Debo Samuel? How do you control uh, Kittle? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who gets no respect, all he does is seem to win football games for the 49ers, but he'll also turn the ball over. So, yes, I, I definitely have an expectation of a win. Plus, I like the fact that our kicking game is pretty solid. I like uh, Michael Dixon to keep them at their end of the field, and I like, uh, I like Myers to, to – I know the streak is broken, but start a new streak. He's the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You're, you'll hear him on the call this weekend along with our own Dave Wyman. Thanks, Rabes. Thanks, guys. Dave, wash your hands. I will. Yeah, make I sure will. you do that, Dave. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're taking you guys across enemy lines here with an opponent preview. NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt uh, Mayoko joins us next. Joining us now on the huddle is NBC Sports Bay Area reporter Matt Mayoka to help us preview the 49ers. Uh, Matt, I'll start with this one. Um, there were really high expectations for this team heading into the season, uh, and they've still been hit with a few injuries, but overall, obviously, uh, ahead of the Seahawks in the standings. Do you think that they've met some of your expectations? Or are you still waiting for, for some to be met this year? Well, you know, it's a it's an interesting situation because yeah, you're right. When the 49ers started this season, everybody thought you know that they would be certainly a contender in a very difficult NFC West. But you know, in the very first game of the year, Jason Verrett, who's their best cornerback and a guy who's had injuries throughout his career, but when healthy, and that's a big you know if you know when he's been healthy through his career. He's been very good. Well, they lose him week one with a torn ACL, so he's not coming back. And then Raheem Mostert, who is a dynamic running back and really a great fit for what the Fernandes want to do offensively, he's lost for the season with a knee injury. So those right there are two of the Fernandes' better players, one on each side of the ball, who are out for the year. So, you know, it's it's this it's kind of a weird dynamic here of the 49ers believe they have good depth across the board, but they've already taken a hit to the cornerback position, not just Jason Brett, but some other guys too. They've taken big hits at the running back position, not only Raheem Mostert, but some other guys too. So I think everybody is just kind of trying to 
figure out what this team is all about and if they can overcome those injuries. And I guess there's no bigger test uh, than what we saw Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, where the 49ers had their struggles with the running game. They had their struggles in clutch time and pass defense. And then, of course, coming up this week, kind of a certainly not a must win, but but an important game, as I guess all NFC West games are, are going to be, uh, against a Seattle team that needs this game probably more so than the 49ers. Yeah, that's certainly very accurate, Matt. And uh, you, you mentioned the 49ers struggling with their running game. One of the things that Kyle Shanahan has done so well over the years is even with injury, been able to find uh, you know guys that work within his system. Has that been a, a little bit of a surprise to you guys that even though Raheem Mostert went down and as you mentioned and highlighted how great of a player he is, that they have not been able to get that running game going effectively? Well, yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been under the, that impression too, Jake, is that it doesn't matter who the running back is. The system kind of takes care of itself. But let's look at the 49ers running back situation. You know, Jeff Wilson, who you've seen in the past, he was injured during the offseason program, and he's going to be out until midseason. So there's one running back. Mostert's another running back that, you know, he would have been the starter. Their third running back was Elijah Mitchell, who sustained a, a shoulder injury in Philadelphia and did not play against the Packers. And then the backup to Elijah Mitchell is Jamichael Hasty, and he's injured with a high ankle sprain. So <laughs> as, as much as the 49ers uh, devoted as far as a draft pick to Trey Sermon, he just hasn't been ready, you know, and whatever the whatever the reasons, the system fit, kind of being a little bit unsure of himself, where to hit the holes, the, the angles, whatever the case may be, you know, he, he was inactive for week one, and then week three, nothing has changed as far as him climbing the depth chart. It's just been the attrition. So he was the main back on Sunday night football against the Packers. So, you know, the hope to have Elijah Mitchell back on the field this week. Um, Trey Sermon will be in uniform. So I think they're just kind of figuring out how to do this. And, and in the meantime, you have, you know, defenses playing to stop the run. And I think it puts more on the plate of Jimmy Garoppolo to get the ball down the field, which isn't necessarily his strength, but something that he's going to have to do with more frequency just to keep opposing defenses honest. Matt, that was going to be, it was a perfect lead into my next question obviously with the lack of running game, it puts a ton on his plate in a role that I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan wasn't necessarily counting or banking on him having, which is being the guy that's going to have to win you ball games. Um, and so is there one aspect, and you mentioned throwing the deep ball, is that the one area that you look at that you're concerned about in Jimmy G's game? Uh, is there? A, it, do you believe that he's a guy that can take on that type of role and that type of mantle? They've just asked him to do that so infrequently since he came to the 49ers. In one of the only games, you know, he played very well week 17 of 2019 up there in Seattle. Uh, but it certainly wasn't a game where they just said, you know, Jimmy, go win us a game. The only time that's really happened was during that same season. It was in New Orleans where the 49ers found themselves in a shootout and they asked Garoppolo to throw the ball around the field a little bit, and, and the Free Irons ended up winning a game, just a, a really uh, entertaining game. I think it was 48-46 against the Saints. But, you know, if you recall, the Free Irons during their Super Bowl run of the 2019 season, 
I mean, he, Jimmy Garoppolo, his only real duty was taking the snap under center and handing the ball off to to Raheem Mostert. You know, they they did not run much, or I'm sorry, they did not throw the ball much at all in those two playoff wins against the Vikings and the Packers. And, you know, it, it kind of points to a little bit of, I don't know, it's almost like the 49ers are, with their offensive philosophy, kind of babysits Jimmy a little bit, uh, knowing his limitations. And, you know, when they made the trade to go up to number three overall, a lot of what was said was, well, you know, just because of the injuries that they felt like they had to better insulate themselves in the future and go get another quarterback. Well, I mean, yes and no. Yeah. The injuries have been an issue obviously, but let's not be naive and think that other than the injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo is a perfect quarterback. He's not. And so I, you know, it's right now, Trey Lance is on the sideline. He's gotten in for, I believe it's seven snaps in three games he played a little bit against the Lions week one, threw a touchdown, played a little bit against the Packers week three, ran for a touchdown. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any question right now that Garoppolo is the quarterback that gives them the best chance of winning games. So now it's a matter of what they can do to kind of bring out his best qualities while also not hanging the offense out to dry by asking him to do things that he simply can't do. Hey, Matt, I'm looking at the injury report for the 49ers. It looks like tight end George Kittle's on it with a calf injury, a couple other guys. Obviously, with Wednesdays, that's usually when, uh, you know, if you're injured, you're going to get treatment, you might be out, and then you're looking to see what happens in Thursday on in Friday. So I know you don't have uh, the definitive answer here for us yet, but what's kind of the status for maybe some injured starters? Um, I would think, Stacy, that most of those guys will be available. I, it would... It would shock me if George Kittle is not on the field Sunday. I mean, he will be out there. I, I can, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. And I think Mitchell has a chance to get out there. The one guy to kind of keep an eye on is Josh Norman. Mm. And so he, the 49 signed him the week leading up to the first game of the season. He was in the starting lineup against the Packers. He's played, you know, played week two a little bit against the Eagles and then a little bit last week against the, the Packers and he's done okay. You know, they're starting cornerbacks right now as the team is currently constructed. Norman at one corner, Emmanuel Mosley at the other. But once you you know get deeper in, into that depth chart, that's where you know there's some struggles. And uh, Norman spent Sunday night, Monday morning in a hospital because he sustained a bruised lung in that game against the Packers. He was spitting up blood. Only in the NFL is uh, somebody who spends a night in the hospital and spitting up blood uh, just you know questionable for the next week's game. So they're hoping that he can play in this game. We will see, uh, but that would probably be the one where um, it pro- potentially the biggest impact, uh, the biggest swing from you know him playing and what it means to the to the team. And, and at this point, he's a little bit iffy. If he can't go. It would either be Drake Kirkpatrick, who they signed, a veteran, another 10-year guy they signed a week into the season, or Diamador Lenore, uh, the Oregon product, who has played pretty well as a rookie, a fifth-round draft pick, and he started the first two games of the season. 
He is Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area joining us on the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Matt, thanks so much for helping us with this preview. Uh, let's uh, hope we can uh, connect with you for another great conversation later this season. That'd be great. Should be a fun one on Sunday. It always is when these teams oh, get together. Always I'm is. excited about it, Matt. All right. <laughs> Thank he you. Is Matt Mayoko. Thanks so much, Matt. Okay. Thank you. All right. We're going to wrap up our final thoughts from today's huddle. It's coming your way next. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We are getting you guys ready for the Seahawks Week 4 matchup against the 49ers. Wrapping up the show today with our final thoughts on this one. Obviously, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it, the Seahawks need to get a win here. Uh, We heard from Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports Bay Area reporter who covers the 49ers, and even he said they might need a win and want to win even more than the 49ers do. Now, getting a win over San Francisco would make both teams 2-2 and on the season, but falling behind 1-3 and in the NFC West, where two of those teams are still undefeated, is the last thing that you want. Uh, Quite frankly, it just can't happen. Like, you can't let this happen. Uh, Going one and three, knowing that you got the Rams just a few days later on Thursday Night Football, I mean, you're going to be up against it at that point. So, you know, it's a very strong reality, and I think that this moment, more so than anything else, and being week four of the season, you'll hear any NFL analyst, any expert at any point in time, I'm sure I've said it, I'm sure Dave has said it, that normally you sit there and you say, look, it's early in the year. Don't panic. It's okay. You're going to be fine. But I think there's a lot more that that is at stake here at this point of the season for the Seattle Seahawks. This is a big, big game on Sunday. What do you guys think is the key when we're talking about keys to a win here, things that they need to do? Yeah, I, I feel like the San Francisco offense is kind of like this. I don't think they're nearly as talented. But I, I think they're kind of in a let's figure it out phase right now. So to me, it's just look if you you know we we're talking about Richard Sherman signing, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's say that Richard Sherman, who was never like known for his speed, but let's say he's like a tenth, a tenth and a half slower in his forty time. If he can get to the right position, that's a great start, you know. And so that yeah. that's the thing. I mean, you you can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not in the right spot then it doesn't matter. And so, you know, it really was easy for Kirk Cousins to complete those passes last week. It was 80%. Yeah. And, and he's a good quarterback. But, you know, I would say this. You make mistakes in, in high school and college, probably get away with it. You can't make mistakes in the NFL. They will find it. And Garoppolo is not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he can find those errors if you're not dropping to the right place. And that's just what I saw, especially in coverage. I mean, again, they have some problems with their cutback run. You know, they get washed down, you know, uh, to the side too much. Uh, there's lots of cutback lanes. But to me, the biggest thing is just get in your position. Have this uh, this pass coverage played together. That's and, the biggest key. I And I would fully agree with that with Dave and everything that he said. I mean, you mentioned the cutback lane situation uh, with the Tennessee game and everybody getting washed down, and I immediately had my eyes focused on it uh, against the Vikings and saw that instantly. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it, you you know that Kyle Shanahan is seeing that. Sure. You know that Mike McDaniel, as you pointed out, uh, the guy that you're worried about is the offensive coordinator there with 40, the 49ers, that they are seeing that too and wanting to exploit that as much as humanly possible. Um, the other thing, I'll flip it to the other side of the ball, offensively, you got to finish the way you start. 
you started fast. You have been able to go into multiple games now where you look great offensively. You're balanced, um, you know, explosive, uh, being able to con- uh, convert on third downs. I mean, the beginning, the first you know two drives of the Vikings game for for Russell Wilson for this offense was beautiful. I mean, the way that they were executing on third down was awesome, mm-hmm. and you've got to be able to sustain that into the second half, and you've got to be able to. I, I think here's the key, and here's the thing that I don't want to see happen. Last year, we had a moment where the defense obviously was not playing great football, and then you started to see Russell Wilson press a little bit. I want to make, I hope that Russell doesn't go into these next couple games and thinks, I got to score every drive. We have to score every drive to keep pace rather than just keep playing the game, keep managing the game, let the game come to you because that's when great things happen. That's when he's operating at his best. And so that to me is going to be a huge key heading into this game is not only start fast, finish fast, let the game come to you, execute on third downs, uh, and I think you'll have a great result. Yeah, I think I'll move a little bit. Uh, further up front for the defense and look at the defensive line. It, it, Pete Carroll has kind of talked around it. He's never one to criticize a player, but I think he very much would like to see this pass rush get going and be a little more consistent. I think he thinks that getting turnovers starts with disrupting the quarterback, and honestly, most of the time it does. Um, and so I think that for this defense to be able to weather the storm while it tries to improve as much as it can – Getting the offense more possessions, getting the defense off the field is the best way to do it. If you're not going to stop teams every single time, try to get the ball. Try to get those opportunities. Um, You just haven't seen it at the same rate this year. They don't have a single interception on the season. They have two forced fumbles um, and 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 both fumble recoveries. And it's just not a pace I would imagine Pete Carroll's happy about. Well, you know, you talk about those turnovers. A lot of times, yes, it can come from individual great play. But it comes from what Dave, what you were talking about, is being in the right place, yeah. right? If you do your assignment and you're in the right place uh, in your assignments, oftentimes good things will come, good things will happen. It just is by nature, and that is the one area, Dave, that you point back to with this defense that that's got to be that's got to be a key part of it. I'm, I I would assume. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be a good at one thing, and you know, I was with a disciple of Pete Carroll, Greg Robinson, in in Denver, and. He's like, what's the point of defense? And I'm like, oh, get the other team off the field. It's like, no, it's take the ball away. Get the ball. And if you can do that, because think about what you do. Not only are you you're, you're giving your you're giving them one less possession, your opponent, and you're giving your team an extra possession. So it's just it's money. I mean, those are that's that's what defense is all about. So if you can't you know stop them, you're going to give up lots of yards at least. You know, I saw the the 49er defense. They uh, they gave up a huge drive, and then they got a stop against Philly uh, on the on the goal line, and then they blocked a field goal. I mean, it, you know, at certain moments, and there's nothing better than a takeaway. But I mean, if you can get sacks, and they had a sack to get them and off. They're the, timely. Yeah, the sack to get them off the the field in, on third down the other other day, and then you get a holding penalty. So those are killer. But. Um, yeah, just uh, just those kinds of plays. If you're right now, they're trying to get it together defensively and play together. Think about like Jamal Adams. I mean, a lot of people have asked, is he playing okay? I'm like, yeah, I think he's playing okay. I haven't seen him make any mistakes, but he just not he's not been like by this time last year. He had two sacks already and a bunch of plays up on the line of scrimmage. So, 
you know, it, it just it's just because they're not playing together. And you see how displeased those guys are. They're not happy about it. So, I'm, right. again, I keep using the word bounce back. I'm looking for a big bounce back game defensively, especially this yeah. week. A lot of hard conversations have to happen, and I know that they are happening. I mean, Dave, you know, at, you know, playing playing the game as we, we've both, you know, been in those situations where you have to have these hard conversations, whether they're in player meetings, whether they're in individual meetings, mm-hmm. and pulling guys aside and just – you know, not getting down on each other, but saying, hey, we believe in each other and, and we know we're capable of so much better trying to work through some of the issues and, and the miscommunications and all of that. You know, the one thing that I also point to as well when it comes to the San Francisco uh, uh, defense is that this is not the same defense that should be feared like it was in 2019, even of last year under Robert Sala. Part of that is injuries, but if you just look at their defensive rankings, their 16th total, 16th passing, 23rd rushing, 17th in points. For this Seahawks offense, they have to be able to attack that defense. All right, attack the defense, be able to sustain drives on offense, have great second halves, and then get the ball. Get the ball, theme for the day for defense in addition to trying to improve that secondary play. Uh, That is our wrap-up for the huddle today. Uh, This has been the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost.